Hello, I am Bob Mooney. I am a Bible teacher in the local body of Christ, and I have been an interim pastor of a home church for a number of years. I hope you find these Bible lessons a blessing and of practical value. This is our fourth lesson in studying the book of Habakkuk. And in our third lesson, we said the church needs to rise up and become the overcomer and the light we are called to be. God is calling his army forth. How does the church overcome? Revelations 12:11 says they overcame him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. First and foremost, we need to become born again by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Then believers like you and I need to answer the individual call to live by our faithfulness. This happens by us committing all our ways to Him and trusting God in all the areas of our life and by keeping our faith and our focus on God and not our circumstances. And today we'll look at Habakkuk, the second chapter, verses 6 through 20. These are the five woes that God spoke through Habakkuk. And we'll take these a couple of verses at a time and each woe at a time. Beginning at verses 6 through 8, and Habakkuk wrote, Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey, because you have plundered many nations. The people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Well, this is our first woe of greed and selfish ambition. Ambition can be good when properly channeled, but self-ambition leads to greed as we see here. The word creditors in Hebrew in verse 7 has the root word to bite or to sting as a serpent. Will not your creditors suddenly rise? God is making it very clear here in these five woes that the principle of reaping and sowing will come back to bite the Chaldeans or the Babylonians as they were called. We see in Daniel chapter 5 the plundering Babylonians were plundered by the Medes and the Persians. Verses 9 through 11. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the walls will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Our second woe here is domination and covetedness. In Ephesians 4.28, Paul wrote, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. We see here there are three ways to wealth, work, gifts, and stealing. The Babylonians stole to build an empire. They tried to set his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. Their security was built on dominating other nations and peoples and taking what wasn't theirs to take. Historically, their security didn't last. No one can escape God's sight. 
And I'd like to make a little side note here that to point out what, what I've come to believe is one of the best definitions of prosperity. And prosperity is not, quote unquote, believing God for airplanes and gold faucets and luxuries. But godly prosperity is having enough to take care of your own family and having plenty left over to give back to God. We see this in Ephesians 4.28. For God blesses his people not to hoard and not to live in luxury as the Babylonians did here, but to give to those in need and support the local church. In verses 12 through 14, we see the next woe. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town in injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Our third woe here is exploitation of people and the atrocities the Babylonians committed. Bloodshed and injustice. Babylonians built much of their city with slave labor. Although they were noted for their magnificent buildings, little, if any, survived today. Her glory didn't last. We see here, on the other hand, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is a beautiful assurance in their time of need. Verses 15 through 17. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that they can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. Your destruction of the animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Fourth woe here is drunkenness, violence, and debauchery. Drunkenness often leads to other sins, and often it leads to sexual immorality. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. This brings to mind two incidences in the Bible. In Genesis 9:21, when Ham made light of Noah's nakedness, and the second one is in Genesis 29:32-35, when Lot's two daughters got him drunk and committed incest with him. Also, when the Babylonians conquered a nation, they stripped the land of trees and took all that was of value. They utterly destroyed the land and pillaged the people. Habakkuk here lets his people know that God sees and God will act. And he says to the Babylonians, The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. Plain and simple, God will bring his judgment upon the Babylonians. Again, they will reap what they have sown. Verses 18 through 20. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to the wood, Come to life, or to the lifeless stone, Wake up, can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. 
The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. In our fifth and final woe, we see idolatry. In Romans 1.25, Paul gives us probably the best definition of idolatry. He writes, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things, rather than the Creator, who was forever praised. Amen. This fits the Babylonians' behavior like a glove. They depended on what they could do in their own strength. They stole and conquered to feed their own greed and lust. They dominated and exploited people. They were an idolatrous people. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped created things rather than the Creator. Habakkuk ends this section of woes with the statement that God is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. In the midst of these five woes, God also has three assurances. The first one is in Habakkuk 2.4, and we see God's grace. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The second one is in Habakkuk 2.14. We see God's glory. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And the third one is in Habakkuk 2.20. We see God's government. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. God was still on his throne then, and he is still on his throne today, and he will be there for all eternity. Here, just as in life, God always has his encouraging word, even and especially in times of trials and tribulations. In the midst of these five woes, we see God's three assurances, his grace, his glory, and his government. Babylon was located about 50 miles south of present-day Baghdad, Iraq. The Babylonians were part of the Mesopotamian Empire, where many anthropologists consider the cradle of civilization to be. Historically, Babylon was, off and on, the largest city in the ancient world. Here, God would use the Babylonians to bring down his judgment on Judah. Despite Babylon's size and strength, she would be no match for God. As we see here in the second chapter, Habakkuk prophesies God's judgment on Babylon through these five woes. Babylon would eventually reap what she sowed. In the midst of the five woes, God gives Habakkuk and his people three assurances that the righteous will live by their faithfulness, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, and the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. Again, we see God's grace, God's glory, and God's government. I find it very interesting that the Medes and Persians overtook the Babylonians, as recorded in Daniel. The Persians are present-day Iranians. The Iraqis and the Iranians continue to fight each other today, as they have off and on for centuries. Again, nations as well as people reap what they sow, sometimes for many generations, if there is no repentance. We have been looking at two nations, Judah and Babylon. Let's bring this down to a personal level. 
in the midst of national conflict? Just as much today as in Habakkuk's day, we need to ask ourselves what our personal responsibilities are. First and foremost, we need to be sure our own lives are being lived according to God's plans and not our own. We need to be sure we are living by our faithfulness. We need to look to God's word as our personal standard in life and not to our present day culture. We need to walk in integrity with our focus on God and not our present circumstances. We need to lead our families, our churches, and our nation to living a life of repentance and faith towards God. As each individual believer lives making their path straight and by keeping our focus on God and not our circumstances, we will see our lives and the lives of our families and our nation change, thus influencing our culture to change. We need to see that what we build on our own lives must be done God's way and with the correct attitude or it is destined to fail. We need to let God lead us as he did Habakkuk, to become worshipers instead of warriors. I hope you have been blessed by this message. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at rmooney at carolina.rr.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>